Welcome to 120 Outdoors, where we talk about how to enjoy the outdoor opportunities we all have close to home. If you love all things outdoors, this podcast is for you to get out and get more out of it. Welcome to 120 Outdoors. My name is Chris DePaula. And I'm Don Klaus. So, Chris, have you had the... Had the boat out yet? Got the boat wet? No, I haven't had my boat wet, but I've been in a couple other people's um, boats already. That's a start. I'm still having some motor issues. Hopefully I get that resolved uh, this week. But uh, yes, I'm ready to launch my boat. But my waders got wet. I had a pretty decent um, spring steelhead season. Didn't get out as much as I wanted to because we I was fighting with the water, you know, water levels all spring. But it was good when I got out. So that was good. Um, I did get some... Uh, smallmouth fishing up on Lake Erie with our good friend Hans Mann up on uh, Buffalo Harbor up there. Um, we got some nice fish. I think we had, I think, six fish over five pounds between the three of us. And nice. Yeah, they were a lot on light tackle. That was a lot of fun. Um, so I know our buddy Ted was with me there and his friend Charlie. Um, so it was a good trip. That was a good trip too. So, And then I've been doing some fishing in the farm pond. I think I was telling you, uh, surprising a uh, number of big bluegill already. The pond's only three years old, and I had hand-sized bluegill already. So yeah, I've been I've been busy fishing. Uh, turkey hunting's been disappointing. I've been out a couple times. Uh, did not hear you were out with me the opening day, mm-hmm. and we didn't hear one bird that morning at it was all. Quiet. Yeah, yep. it was quiet. Um, then I did sneak out again, and and I did hear some birds in the distance, but nothing close. So I've heard mixed reviews. You know, my brother-in-law in Southern Ohio hasn't had any luck. Um, but a friend of mine up in um, Northeast Ohio, near Conneaut, um, he got a nice bird opening weekend. So it's, um, and I know Ohio released the numbers, by the way, today. I don't know if you saw them, Don. Did not. They're no. down They're down about 2,500 birds from last year at the same time. Ouch. <clears throat> yeah, so it's, and we had Mark on, Mark Wiley on. He knew it was going to be a slow year this year across the state. So it's not over yet. So I'm going to try, you know, once or twice more, I'd like to get out and see what's going on with the birds so it's a lot of fun uh, i just hope we we are on our way back i hope so yeah so hopefully uh, the how about you don have you snuck out i know you've been turkey hunting with me yeah yeah the boat my boat is still in uh, dry dock for right now but uh, <laughs> okay. it's uh, it's going to get a, a bit of attention here very soon and uh, i want to get out for the spring crappies here yeah uh, very soon before that goes away yeah that's for sure we got to finally have some nice weather um, so let's yeah. hope. Yeah, our lakes are full. Uh, we've had rain on top of rain. <laughs> Ridiculous. So I think it's I think it's going to be good soon. So yeah. I'll be ready to get out. Yeah. But in the spirit of getting ready to get out, that's what our podcast today is all about. Um, one of the things that we harp on constantly is safety and most of the things we do. And the one that's right on our plate right now is boating safety. Um, it's May. Uh, this is the month when we have boat safety week, uh, a lot of attention put to it. And there's a lot of people in the, in the same boat as us with, uh, the boat getting ready to get out. So it's time to, you think about, uh, review those safety things and, and requirements too. So that's what our podcast is all about today. Yeah. And our guest on today's show is Stephanie Uber. And she is a natural resource officer with the Division of Parks and Watercraft. And she's going to talk to us today about everything you ever wanted to know about boating and boater safety, for sure. 
particularly in Ohio. Yeah, particularly in Ohio. And, and I'm sure many of these rules do apply across all the states. Right. Much transferability yeah, to this Yeah, I'm stuff. sure of it. So you just want to get jump right into the interview, Don? Yeah, ready? let's get to Stephanie. Okay, here we go. Okay, Stephanie, welcome to 120 Outdoors podcast. And I know we mentioned to you earlier that the focus of today's show is going to be on boater safety. And uh, I know you have a lot to do with that, uh, with your current position. Um, so let's we're going to jump right into the questions, if it's okay with you. Absolutely. All right, Stephanie. Uh, you know, we're putting this out in May because Safe Boating Week happens in May. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So the National Safe Boating Week, it's actually going to be held May 21st through the 27th. And it's a week that reminds all boaters to just brush up on the boating safety skills and prepare for the boating season. It's the observance week, and it's also the annual kickoff for the Safe Boating Campaign, which is a global awareness effort that encourages the boaters to make the most of their boating adventure by just being responsible. Excellent. Yeah, that's good. Now, uh, one of the things that happens uh, around our locale often in the spring, we can get a, a vessel safety inspection, get our boat inspected for what's uh, what's right, wrong, missing. Uh, how does that happen? And uh, could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so what you're talking about is the vessel safety inspections. Uh, the best way to get an inspection is to grab one of us if you see us at the lake. If you belong to a, a boat club or a hunting and fishing group or any other organization that has several boaters, you can also call one of us at any of the state park offices to coordinate having an officer come out and meet you at the lake, or your club can do the vessel safety checks. Because what it comes down to is any violations that we find. So if we stop you on the water for a violation, we're going to do the vessel safety check then. And we're more likely to give you a citation at that point versus if you catch us on the land. Because if we can fix it on the land, then you're not going to get any kind of citation. Oh, that's okay. good to know. Yeah, for I, sure. I've had the, the vessel check, and I love that because— I have too, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, showed me some things I didn't know. I'm happy to get that. Yeah. And that, that the sticker you give us too, I noticed that because um, I fish out of state quite a bit, and I had a couple guys from New York stop me a few years ago, and I had that sticker on my window of my boat. They saw I already had the inspection, and they just kind of waved me off, you know, to say, hey, "Do you have a life jacket?" So I showed them my life jacket, and they just kind of waved me on. <laughs> so and they, it's, it's recognized by other states, is what I'm trying to say. So hey, um, as far as the the boater's license, this is there's a lot of confusion here, and Don and I didn't realize that kayaks and certain vessels also have to be registered. Um, can you go through that list with us real quick? Um, what has to be registered and what does not? Yes. So any vessel that has a motor on it has to be registered. Where the confusion comes in a lot is our canoes and kayaks especially. All canoes and kayaks in the state of Ohio have to be registered. There's two types of registrations you can choose from. The first one is going to be your traditional registration. It's $20, and it's good for three years. Um, that is the traditional registration where you put the sticker on the side of the kayak, and then you put the numbers down the side that are assigned to you at the time of the registration. Or there is the alternative registration, which is what I would recommend for most uh, paddlers for canoes or kayaks. What it is, is one rectangular-shaped sticker. It can go on the top of the kayak, it can go on the inside of the kayak, and you don't have to put those numbers down the side. Because what we're seeing, especially with the kayaks, is that 
kayaks get lower in the water. And so the water's constantly slapping against those numbers and the numbers start peeling. And then we have to stop you because you're missing numbers and letters. Yeah, yeah. It's just a big hassle, but it is $5 more. So it's $25, but it's still good for three years. Now, what we do not register anymore that people do ask us a lot on is... Uh, stand-up paddle boards. We do not register stand-up paddle boards in okay. Ohio. Okay. The only law that will pretty much get you in trouble with stand-up paddle boards is life jacket law. You are required to have a life jacket on board. You don't have to wear it, but you do have to have it on board for a stand-up paddle board. Now, as far as the kayaks go, other things that we are seeing with folks is that they will go to the store, they will buy their canoe or kayak, super excited, and then they'll immediately come to the lake and put it in the water. It has to be registered still. I know you're excited about putting it in the water right away, but unfortunately, you do have to have it registered first. Now, they could do that online, correct? They don't have to go to a a, a state facility, right? They can do that online, register the, their if, watercraft? If it's a first-time uh, canoe or kayak or hand-powered vessel registration, you do have to go in person to get it, and every time okay. after that, it'll be renewed. Okay, that's uh, I didn't know that. Now, the next question I have, and this um, Don and I go back and forth on this all the time. How old do you have to be to operate a, a vessel? And let's go motorized first. How old do you have to be to operate a motorized <laughs> boat? Okay, so that's, that's a great question. So let's, let's start with um, actually your boating license. Okay. And then we'll go into answering that a little bit better. So the law changed. It went into effect in, in the year 2000. And what basically what the law is saying is that Ohio requires boaters born on or after January 1st, 1982 to successfully complete either a boating course or proficiency exam in order to operate a boat powered by more than 10 horsepower. So if your boat has a 9.9 horsepower or less, you don't have to have a boating license. The minute it hits 10 horsepower, it has to be uh, you have to have a boating license. Now, as far as the age requirements for certain vessels. Let's talk about everybody's favorite, the jet ski, yes. which we refer to as the personal watercraft. Okay. okay. PWC is what we call it. All righty. <laughs> so for PWC, children under the age of 12, they may not operate a PWC, even if they have a boating license, period, the end. So once the child hits the age of 12 to 15, if they have a boating license, they can operate a PWC or jet ski, as long as they are under the direct supervision of an adult who's 18 years of age or older, who's on board. And as long as that adult, if they're required to have a boating license, has a boating license. Now, once that child hits 16 and they have their boating license, they are good to go without any adult supervision on board. Okay. And how how about like uh, canoes, kayaks? Canoes or kayaks, you know what? It's um, you don't have to have a boating license for that because there's no motors on those. Okay, so they, in other words, you can take your my niece or nephew out, who's 12 years old. I could take them out and they can enjoy on uh, using a kayak, as long as they have a life jacket on and and so forth. Absolutely, okay. and then you know you have the boats, the power gra- crafts with greater than 10 horsepower motor. I'm sure, mm-hmm. you just your regular boats mm-hmm. could be a pontoon or a bass boat or whatever. Uh, individuals who are 12 years of age or or older may legally operate unsupervised as long as they have a boating license. So it's a little bit different for your power crafts than it is for the PWCs. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about the boating license. Um, I know I took a course a while back and got mine. I know there's an online. You want to discuss that a bit? Yeah. So there's four different ways that you can get your boating license. You... 
can go online and you can request a home study course. Um, and what will happen is we'll mail you that packet, that course book, a workbook, reference materials. You go through this six-chapter course book. You fill out the outline as you're going along. And at the end, you take a 100-question multiple-choice test on the honor system, of course. You fill all that out. You mail it down to our Columbus office. Or you bring it to one of our state park offices or contact one of us. Mm-hmm. And we can grade it for you. And as long as you pass, we issue your 45-day temporary boating license right then and there. And then we'll send the paperwork down to Columbus. And within the next 45 days, they will send you their um, the actual boating license. Uh, another way you can do it, which is getting a little bit more popular, is uh, doing it online. There are several places where you can go online, such as boaterexam.com, boatusa.org aceboater.com, boatsmart.com, or you can check our NASBLA website for any other online approved courses. There is a fee associated with that, so it'll just depend on, you know, which which course we have going on. And my favorite, which I recommend, is the classroom setting. There is a number of NASBLA approved classroom courses that are available in Ohio. If you go to our DNR website, they'll list them depending on where you live. I know we do have a few coming up here in Northeast Ohio. Um, And what that entails is it's an eight-hour class. It's usually on a Saturday or Sunday. And you go to the class. The class is taught by one of the state um, watercraft officers or the parks and watercraft officers. And at the end, you take a 60-question test. And if you pass, you know, it's great. They give you a 45-day temporary boating license then and there. And just like the other one, the real one will be mailed to you within the next 45 days. And the best thing about those classes is they're usually free unless there's a facility fee. And um, you get to ask questions to any officers are there. These are the people that are going to be stopping you, that you're going to be seeing on the water. And it's, you know, great to hear their perspective from everything. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, there's nothing like in person to, to really uh, yeah. sink it in there. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, switching gears. Uh, Chris and I have observed the uh, use of alcohol products on the waterways, and we know that uh, operating vehicles impaired is a thing on the water, just like it is on the road. You want to share for us a little bit about that? Well, what I can tell you is don't drink and boat, period, the end. Next question? Yeah. No, seriously, I agree with that. <laughs> oh, no, where, where I was going with that, I think a lot of people don't understand that uh, the penalties are pretty harsh on the water, just like right. they are on the road. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but you can also lose your driver's license? Okay. Well, all right. Let's talk about that. So just like in a car, 0.08 is what, as soon as you hit 0.08, that's the legal limit. You can't, you can't go over that if you're uh, over the age of 21. And the penalty for operating under the influence of alcohol or drug, it's, you know, it's going to be, it's different from court to court, and it also depends on what else you know, you have on your record. So the first offense could be three days in jail, $150 fines, you know, could be up to six months in jail, $1,000 fine. It just, it just depends on what that court system, you know, your second offense could be anywhere from 10 days to six months in jail, $150 fine to $1,000 fine. Or, you know, your third offense, it could be, you know, 30 days in jail. It, it, It just depends on that court system. So what it comes down to is any, and what people don't understand about, um, drinking and boating is that when you register your vessel and you sign on that little line and you turn it in, 
you have already given law enforcement the permission to test you if we think that you are over the legal limit. So if you refuse to test and we feel that you're over the legal limit while boating, you automatically get a one-year suspension um, on your vessel registration, which means that your your registration tags will be impounded basically for a year for refusing. Now, what people also don't understand is when and where you can drink and boat. So if you are on any of our inland lakes, such as our state park lakes, mm-hmm. you cannot openly or overtly consume or display an alcoholic beverage, which means you cannot drink, period, the end. Okay. Now, if you are on any of our federal waterways, such as the Ohio River, Lake Erie, or one of the Muskingum watershed lakes, you are permitted to have alcohol on board your vessel, but your boat operator has to be a sober skipper, basically. Okay. That answers that question, that's for sure. How common is that, Stephanie? I mean, do you see that quite a bit in your, I'm I'm sure, unfortunately, probably do. You know, we see it a lot more on the inland lakes, especially the inland lakes that have campgrounds, because people will want to come here to enjoy the weekend. Sure. You are permitted to have alcohol on your campsite, so just leave it on your campsite. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Well, I think your original advice is good. Just don't do it. Yeah, just don't do it. Hmm. That's right. Just like operating and driving a car. Yep. Next question here, kind of switching gears again, uh, that new national kill switch law that went into effect a couple of years ago. How does that affect affect us here in Ohio? Uh, like what size boat do you have to have and everything else to have that kill switch? And what size motor do you have to have that kill switch? Okay. So, yeah, the kill switch law, they call it the engine cutoff switch, you know, whatever you want to go by. All operators of recreational boats that are less than 26 feet in length have to have one of those installed on there. Now, if your boat was manufactured before 2020 and it doesn't have it on there, you know, if it was manufactured in 1965, you know, we're not worried about that. So if you recently bought a 2020 model year boat, mm-hmm. you know, do you have to have it on there? Well, it should be on there. And the manufacturers are all starting to put it on there already. Okay. All right, so you don't have to worry if your if your boat was from two thousand. You bought, purchased your boat in two thousand ten. Although mine has it, I have a kill switch on right. mine. I know Don, you have it on yours too, mm-hmm. so it's already on that. Okay, I wondered about that. All right. Yeah, and the other thing that folks do have a question about is, do they need to keep the engine cutoff switch link attached at all times? And well, the answer to that is no, they don't. The engine cutoff switch link doesn't need to be attached when the vessel's idling or performing docking maneuvers. So whenever you're on plane or greater than displacement speed, you definitely have to have it on. So if you're zooming down the lake, it has to be attached. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. All right. We already talked uh, just a bit about kayaking. Uh, Is there any kayak-specific safety concerns uh, that you want to share? Well, what I share in all my classes with any kayakers that I I come across, I say never boat alone. That's the big thing. Don't boat alone. Always wear your life jacket. I know a lot of people, especially during the hot days of summer, they like to peel that life jacket off and just, you know, sit on it or keep it in the boat. Well, if something happens, if you have a powder power boater that isn't paying attention, you know, how quickly can you grab that life jacket and put it on? Um, you have to have a life jacket on board for everybody that you have on your boat, boat, whether it's kayaking or any other boat. I don't know if a lot of folks understand that. And that life jacket especially has to be in good and serviceable condition and appropriate size for all of the wearers. So if your life jacket is mold covered or if it has any rips or tears or any of the buckles or zipper, zippers are busted, 
it's not good. It's not considered to be in good serviceable condition anymore. We can't count that as a life jacket. Get rid of it. And you know what I tell folks in a lot of our boating classes is because we'll, we'll see this in an argument when we're out on the water is a lot of parents will put life jackets on kids and the life jackets will be the adult life jackets. And they'll just cinch them down real tight. Well, that life jacket isn't meant for, you know, that five-year-old, that adult size life jacket. And what it comes down to is how much is the child's life worth? Is it worth $19.99 for a brand new life jacket, you know, at the store? Absolutely. So make sure you have the right size and type for everybody that is on board. Now, as far as kayaking for any other specific safety items or anything like that, we just tell people, hey, listen, prepare yourself and your gear for getting wet. Dress properly, bring mm -hmm. an extra change of clothing with you in a waterproof bag. Pack your cell phone in this bag because a lot of folks figure, oh, well, I'll be fine. I know how to swim. Okay, well, does your cell phone know how to swim? Um, and <laughs> what you also need to pay attention to, especially this time of year, yes, that air temperature may be 70 degrees outside. But that water temp is sitting around 40, 50 degrees. So make sure you dress for the water temp as well. File a float plan with a reliable person. That could just be you calling mom and saying, hey, I'm going to West Branch. I'll be there from like 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. So she doesn't hear by, from you by 2 p.m. He knows to, you know, start making some phone calls. Um, when you're getting in and out of the vessels, especially the kayaks and the canoes, always maintain three points of contact. Um, you don't ever want to stand up in any of these vessels. And if you're boating on the river, watch for river hazards, especially if it's been heavy rains. Um, because, you know, a lot of debris can be washing down and you, you never know what you're going to, you know, come across. And if you do fall out while you're paddling the river, do not stand up because your foot can be caught in between rocks and then the current could push you over and you can drown that way. Um, and if you are start to float downstream, make sure you float feet first. So those feet are hitting everything. Your head isn't hitting anything until you can get over to the shoreline. And, you know, just know your abilities. Don't attempt to navigate a swift flowing or moving river or stream if you haven't had that previous training. And we always, I, I just got to go along with this here. Never mix alcohol and boating because alcohol impairs coordination and your judgment. Yeah. So these are two things that are vital to a safe boating outing. I, I would add one thing. In our local area here, we have uh, the Mahoning River and we have a collection of low head dams. Uh, yeah. Another one for the kayakers to steer clear of. Well, that's for sure. That could be very dangerous. Absolutely. And a lot of people think, oh, well, I'll just paddle real fast and shoot over it. But what they're not realizing is that you need to, you have that boil line. And that boil line on that low head dam is going to suck you back against the dam. It's like a recirculating current, almost like a washing machine. So what it's doing at that point is filling your kayak or canoe with water, pushing you down under. And who knows what's down there? You know, rebar, rocks. Who knows what? Yeah. And you yeah. just keep getting cycled around and around. Can you make it out? We hope so. Yeah. But it, that's not always the case. Yeah. You touched on another item we're interested in, too, and that is uh, cold weather boating. Uh, you mentioned with the kayak, uh, we're getting into nice weather. We know that May still includes a bunch of, of cold, cold water. water. Yeah. Nice days with cold water. And that's true on the a lot of our listeners uh, go deep into the year, either hunting or fishing. Um any, anything to add to the cold uh, uh, concerns we should have? <laughs> well, any outdoor activity in cooler, colder weather conditions presents a risk of hypothermia, so you got to be aware of that. 
the risk is greater while boating because the water actually robs the body's heat 25 times faster than air of the same temperature. So it's not just the water that presents the additional problems. If you get wet, whether it's from rain, waves, being immersed, or even sweat, the wind's going to make you feel a lot colder as the water evaporates from your exposed skin. So we, we like to talk about, you know, the types of materials that you should wear, you know, when you're doing this kind of boating. So types of insulating materials, we recommend a variety of man-made and natural fabrics act as really good insulators. So avoid 100% cotton garments because they are most effective at drawing heat away from the body. So start with thin layers of polypropylene close to the skin, add fabrics that retain heat even when wet, such as wool or synthetic fleece. So when boating in any water less than 70 degrees, which is what we have now, an eopropene wetsuit should be part of the layer system. Okay. That's a great suggestion. Uh, as far as uh, other safety equipment that you would, um, that is by law, can you go over that real quick, what you should have in your boat? Um, yeah. Right. So it just depends on the length of your boat and where you're boating because the law is different for inland lakes versus the federal waterways. So life jackets, that's pretty much the same right across the board. You, US, it has to be a U.S. Coast Guard approved life jacket because the U.S. Coast Guard statistics show that drowning was the reported cause of death in four out of every five recreational boating fatalities in 2020. And that 86% of those who drowned were not even wearing a life jacket. So you have to have it on board with you. Unbelievable. Right. I, I know. Uh, as far as fire extinguishers go, if you were on a PWC or, water, or a jet ski, you are required to have a type 1 um, or type B1 fire extinguisher. If your boat is less than 16 feet in length, you're required to have a a fire extinguisher on there and it just depends you know it just goes on up from there so if your boat's 26 feet but less than 40 feet you have to have two fire extinguishers now as far as the distress flags go and we call them visual distress signals so if you're out boating during the daytime you are required to have a visual distress signal if you are on a powerboat this you do not have to have any of this if you are on you know canoes or kayaks and what the law says is that the visual distress flag has to be two foot by two foot international orange. Can it be bigger than that? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Can it be homemade? Absolutely. But you do have to have it on board. Now, some people have flares. Those are also acceptable. If you're going to boat at night, you have to have flares. And they have to be three. You have to have three flares and watch the expiration date on them because those things do expire. Now, will they work after they expire? Probably, but we have to go by what the manufacturer's expiration date is on that. Um, as far as a sound signaling device or a horn, if your vessel is 16 feet or longer, you are required, and you are on, let me rephrase that, and you are on an inland water, you have to have a horn or whistle on there. Now, if you're on federal waterways, all powerboats have to have a horn or whistle on federal waterways. But as far as our inland lakes here, if you're 16 feet or longer, that's when you have to start. So if you have a 12-foot boat and you're out on Mosquito Lake or Pomatunian Lake, you don't have to have a horn or whistle. And as far as lights go, if you're going to be operating your vessel at night, you are required by law to have lights. Uh, A lot of people ask, well, what if I'm kayaking or canoeing at night? It's a great question. Absolutely. You have to have an all-around white light if you are paddling. Now, as far as some folks that I'm starting to see a little bit more and more every year, they like to put trolley motors on their canoes or kayaks. So let me just address that really quick. 
Um, for those that want to do that, that's fine, but you cannot register that vessel as a paddle craft or a hand-powered vessel. The minute you put a trolling motor or you think you might put a trolling motor on a canoe or kayak, you have to register it as a motorboat, and then it will fall under the motorboat laws. Wow, as far okay. As lighting. But if you are just going to have a kayak and you're just going to paddle away, you know, at night, you have to have an all-around white light, and I'll tell you why. A uh, quick story, when I was out on one of our inland lakes patrolling at night, it was pitch black out there. For anybody who's boated at night, mm-hmm. there aren't lights out on the lakes. It's just pretty dark out there. It's scary. And there was a kayaker, and had I not seen their track going through the water, you know, we may have hit them. They did not have any lights on that kayak whatsoever. Um, he did have a, a tiny little headlamp on, but until he turned around, we couldn't see that. So it has to be an all-around white light. That makes sense, for sure. All right. Wow. Holy smokes, we covered a lot of ground in a hurry there. Yes, we did. Uh, I think that's probably a good intro. Uh, how about um, any other resources that uh, you might want to share with us that, uh, you know, you'd mentioned the, uh, to get a course. That's a good thing. Any other places that uh, our listeners should go to to get the info for the stuff they might have missed or don't know? You know what? You can always go to our website, our Ohio Department of Natural Resources website. Um, but, you know, just as a recap, just take a boating safety course. What I hear grumblings from a lot of folks that were born before January 1st, 1982, oh, I'm grandfathered in. I don't need this. Well, you know what? Laws change. You know, things change. So why it, the course, for the most part, is free. So why don't you come and take the course? Um, also, I'm just going to say it again and again. Always wear your life jacket. You know, life jackets do save lives. And just a couple other things. When you go out boating, if this is your maiden voyage for the year, check your equipment from last year. You know, make sure every you have everything. Nothing's expired. Everything's good to go. Make sure your fire extinguisher is in them. Um, make sure you check the weather before you head out. You know, watch, watch the forecast. And know what's going on around you at all times. Don't assume everybody else knows what they're doing out there. Um, and travel at safe speeds. Be familiar with the area and the boating, you know, just where you're going to be going. And, you know, again, please don't ever boat under the influence. And keep in touch with somebody. Make sure you have at least one communication device that works. Yeah, that's great suggestions. Tremendous. Yeah, for sure. Well, very good, Stephanie. We'll, uh, we'll let you get back to work there. I know this is uh, your busy time of year, uh, getting ramped up here for the boating season. So um, thanks for taking some time and, and your busy schedule. And uh I'm sure our listeners will enjoy this. And we hope plenty listen, so uh, yeah. might keep some of those unpleasant interactions you might have when people are messing up out there. Maybe there won't be so many. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks again, Stephanie. We appreciate your time. Yep. Thank you, Stephanie. Absolutely. You're welcome. Well, that was enlightening. I'm yeah. glad uh, Stephanie gave us her time to to share that with us. Uh, I'm, I'm huge on boating safety, Chris, as you know. I, yeah. I harp on that. Yeah. Um, I'm a big, big fan of uh, of the boater education course. You know, I I thought I knew everything about boating before I took that, and I took that and learned differently. So no, that's, that, a, that's a great suggestion. You know, taking that course for sure. Yeah, I'm, I also don't don't particularly buy the uh, 1982 and older on that. I think everybody should have that. You know. Yeah. It's just good business. Well, especially just a refresher. You know, if you if you either haven't done it in a while or you have done it in a while, maybe you just don't think you remember everything. 
it couldn't hurt to take the course again for yep. sure. Yep. And and you know she gave us a lot of the legalities of it too. Yeah. Nobody wants to be fined, uh, so it's, yep. it's good to good to know that stuff that way. You you want to be safe and and you also don't want to have to give up any money extra money. Yeah, that's for sure. No, so that's a great suggestion. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, the other thing we talked about the uh, the kayaks. You know, you've heard me harp on this too. I'm all about uh, I'm all about being super bright. I've got these fluorescent shirts that I wear when I'm in my kayak. Um, I want to be seen. I treat it the same way as I would. Uh, I like to walk on the road sometimes in the the parks that I visit, and uh, those are shared with cars. And I don't trust cars for one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if anybody loses, it's going to be me, the pedestrian, right. in the for sure pedestrian versus car. Yep. I think you could think of that same way with the powerboat versus kayak. Yeah. You know, in the kayak, you're the small fish. Yeah. You want to make sure they see you. Well, that example she gave us, too. Think about that guy at night. He's paddling his kayak, and she sees the wake because she's out patrolling at night there. She sees the wake but not the kayak until she gets in front of him because he has a front-facing light. Oh, man. Can you imagine if someone was, you know, powerboating in the middle of the night, which they're not supposed to, but they do, uh, that guy would have never had a chance. No way. You know, yeah. so another example of not only what you're wearing, but the lights. Make sure you have navigation lights. Oh, the right light. Yeah, the right yeah. lights uh, yeah. that are they're legal yeah, one for your that, vessel. that everybody can see. Yeah, so that could have been a real disaster. Yeah. So do you have anything else to add? Yeah, uh, one other thing, and probably some people don't think about this, but part of the uh, the safety element of boating is getting the boat there, you know, yeah. safe trailering too. You know, if you haven't had the trailer hooked up for a while, you remember that thing's got some heft to it. Braking's going to be a little different. That's a good point. Um, yep. Check your bearings. Check your tires. Bearings. Yeah. Yeah. You might not think a boat uh, trailer bearings as a safety item, but oh, well, they are. <laughs> if if you got to get out and change a tire along the highway, yeah. that's a dangerous yeah. situation. Yeah. You don't want that. No. Um, for sure. Or change a have a bearing. Oh, that's up. that's a disaster. Yeah. And you no see thanks. it. You see it every year. I see it all the time. <laughs> So, well, I thought it was a great show. And yeah. once again, uh, thanks, Stephanie, for taking time out of her busy schedule there to, to talk with us. Yeah, hopefully that uh, that gave you a little refresher and uh, maybe motivated you to get the, get the equipment you need or maybe get the training that you might be lacking. So. That's right. Okay, folks, so that's our show for the month of May here. Um, that we'll have a, maybe uh, a show here, I think, the first or second week of June, right, Don? We have another so show scheduled. We're oh. not sure exactly what it is yet, folks, so well, hang in there. We're going to whip something together. Yeah, we got we got several guests on in uh, on the frying pan here. We're just trying to figure out how to get it done. So hang in there with us. We'll have another show here for you the first or second week in June. So uh, without any uh, further ado, get out in your 120 and do something.